the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hello, podcast listeners. Hey, everybody. We are so happy to be here with you today. We're just back from a very special weekend spent celebrating the wedding of a longtime friend. And uh, we there are some things about it we didn't even talk about yeah. yet. And I was wondering if you would just share with me now something that struck you from yeah, the wedding. Yeah, there was something that stood out to me in the prayers of the church for the husband. You know, their prayers for the new wife and their prayers yeah. for the new husband. And I think they've been updated with the new translation. And we haven't been to all that many weddings mm -hmm. since the new translation for the marriage rite has come out. And, and I don't know if this was in the old rite or not. I can't remember it, but it just stood out to me. Uh -huh. There's a line where the priest prays for the husband that he would learn how to entrust his heart to his wife. Did, did mm -hmm. you hear that line? I did. I did. It struck me. It struck me as a necessary grace that we as men need because mm. we don't we don't do it so well it doesn't come so naturally we're we don't know how to share our hearts mm -hmm. very readily um i think i've learned over nearly 25 years of marriage more how to do that but i know i was i was locked up for a long long time and still there are ways i'm locked up mm -hmm. and uh I, f I felt the grace of that prayer for that new husband. I felt, and these, this was the, the daughter of dear friends of ours who was getting married. That yeah. was, that was also special to see. Yes. Someone we've known since she was about five years old. Yeah. Getting married. Crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I remember when she was just a little girl and now she's, she's a, a young woman wife. and a, mm -hmm. a wife. Uh, but I, f I felt a grace going out, not just to that new husband. I felt the grace going out to all the husbands in that church. Yeah. And I, I want to open myself to that, Wendy, because I want to I learn how to do that better. And I was especially grateful that the church recognized this is a particular grace that husbands need. Yeah. So I'm invoking it. I'm invoking the grace of our sacrament to, to help me learn how to share my heart with you more. Oh, that's awesome. Even I, as I say it, it's a little scary. Because <laughs> I don't know what's in there. Oh, geez. I don't know what. Okay, whatever that means, I want to do it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's beautiful. I often feel that what a gift it is to all married couples to be present at, the, at a wedding and to be reminded of what's essential what, and what, how present God is to our relationship. And yeah. Um, just it's a it's a refocusing and a reopening um, to God in our relationship. That's really beautiful, renewing. Yeah, I felt that. Yeah, I have a great. couple things I want to share about uh, things coming up in the institute. Yeah. Before we get to our questions, we have our congress, which is going online. Uh, we typically do it as a live event. We were going to do it in Cleveland this year, but coronavirus has uh, prevented that. So we're going online with our Congress, it's going to be different than the virtual conference that we did mm -hmm. in May. Mm -hmm. uh, the virtual conference that we did in May, we had, gosh, I think like 80 speakers, each of them gave uh, like a 15 to 20 minute talk or something pre-recorded. And, and um, 
that was fine and great, and I know it benefited people around the world. But the Congress is, is a little different. We're going to have a lot of live interaction. Mm -hmm. uh, the talks themselves will be pre-recorded. Uh, we have uh, Scott Hahn, we have George Weigel, Janet Smith, Bill Dunahy, yours truly, Sister Miriam. Click the link in the show notes for the TOBCongress.com. Click that link and you'll see all our speakers. But there'll be those keynote addresses. But then there's going to be live interaction, a Q&A time with all the keynote addresses. There's going to be a live time for prayer. And it's going to be a life-changing event. I really, really encourage people to, to check it out. Go to the link. And then we're following that up with a TOB1 online. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also something we've only started doing since the lockdown last March. We've done it three, at least three times. I think mm -hmm. this is our fourth time we're doing it. And again, it's it's enabling us to reach people around the world who've not been able to travel here to Pennsylvania. Yeah. And it's a great opportunity to go really deep into John Paul's theology of the body. If you have been blessed by this podcast, if you've been blessed by books or other talks you've listened to about theology of the body, and you want to go deeper this is the way to go. TOB1 from November 2nd to the 13th. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, if you're in need of scholarship funds to attend that course, uh, you can learn more about that at the link as well. So, yeah, very yeah, excited about those things. Coming the, up. Those are excellent. I want to add this too. I, yeah. I forgot about this. This is just brand new, hot off the press, so to speak. We are going to be live streaming one of our Made for More events. Uh -huh. On October 16th, we're going to be at a church outside of Philadelphia. There'll be a live audience there. But again, this is another opportunity for us to reach people around the world with our Made for More event. It's from 7 to 9.30 p.m. East Coast time, October 16th. And we will have also a link in the show notes where you can learn more about that and register for that. It's going to be Something just new, we have to try it. We have to do it because of our, our circumstances these days. We're just mm -hmm. looking for ways to reach people with these events. That's right. And Made for More is a very beautiful way to get in touch with um, our hearts and the ways that our culture has wounded us and why does it hurt and what's, what is God's plan yeah. in all of this. So, And it's a great thing to invite people to. Uh, it's a real evangelistic tool. Mm -hmm. We ease people into the vision just by reflecting on the deep desires of our heart for love. It's very non-threatening. Uh, Mike Mangione does the live music for it. It's it's talks. My presentation's interwoven with live music, and we have big screens where we have uh, images and videos, and it's kind of a uh, <laughs> what's that line from Veggie Tales? A multimedia event. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you know that reference, you can let us know or just laugh along with us. If you don't know that reference, you have no idea what I just said, but that's okay. That's all right. Well, shall I go on to a yes, question? Let's go right ahead. Okay. So first question, if God is all powerful, why does he let bad things happen? Mm. Yeah, this is, this is a conundrum. This is one of the real wrestling points of our faith. I remember years ago, I was new to my faith. This was in the early 1990s, and I was taking a class in college, and we were, I was an anthropology major. And so we were looking at some uh, African cultures, and there was this culture that lived along this creek 
and people were dying left and right from these parasites that came mm. from the creek. Mm. These worms would drill into people's legs in the water, mm -hmm. and they died these brutal deaths. I was new to my faith, and that was a real challenge to my faith. Like, mm -hmm. God, why would you allow this this suffering? You created these stupid worms. What the heck yeah. were you thinking? And I had to really press in and wrestle with this reality of, of suffering, of bad things happening to good people, of, of death, of, I mean, you can name any, any number of, of yes. sufferings. Uh, I'll give a line here from the Catechism that points us in a direction, but I also want to just reverence people's sufferings. There is silence that is often needed and a reverence before people's sufferings before we start trying to give answers. I think jumping on an answer to the conundrum and mystery of suffering, it doesn't do justice to the reality of it. So I just want to say that and, and move forward in the spirit of that reverence. The Catechism says something like this. This is a paraphrase. I'm not remembering it word for word. The all-powerful God would not allow any evil or suffering if he was not so all-powerful to bring about even something greater, some greater good through that suffering. The Catechism says he manifests his almighty power precisely in his ability to bring a greater good out of evil. But why does he allow it? Again, with reverence for all that we suffer, and somebody out there, there might be some listener out there who's going through something really, really awful. But we have to talk about the reality of freedom. Mm -hmm. Why did God give us freedom? We have freedom to do good things. We have freedom to bless people. We have freedom to do bad things. We have freedom to hurt people. And all of us wrestle internally with good and evil. Why did God give us freedom? I know I've gotten to the point in my questioning of these things where I thought, okay, God, if you didn't want me to sin, why'd you give me the freedom to do it? And it's almost like, would you just take away my ability to choose wrongly? But if <laughs> if he takes away our ability to choose wrongly, then our ability to choose rightly has no meaning. Yeah, we can spend some time just thinking on that, you know, trying to imagine what that would be like, um, the whole world with no freedom. Yeah. All is instinct sort of just must do what we have no choice in things and we're not human anymore yeah, we're no longer human and there's yeah. no possibility of love right uh, forgive me but i'm thinking of a line from braveheart what will you do with your freedom you know will you fight uh, freedom was given to us as the capacity to love but we also have the flip side capacity, which is the capacity to not love. And that puts us in a battle right from the first pages of Scripture. We, we see this battle for freedom. What will we do with our freedom? Will we fight to learn what it means to love? And along that way, we're going to fumble, we're going to stumble, and we're going to wound other people. And it is possible to harden your heart so much that you kind of calcify that non-love and become a vengeful person or so riddled with lust that you dominate and control of other people mm -hmm. for your sexual gratification and that wounds people terribly 
And then other people have to deal with the fallout of that. I know in my own life, my brokenness, my my fallen humanity has come out in a, a million ways that have hurt other people. And you've been the recipient of that. My children have been the recipient of that. I'm thinking of certain students who are the recipient of certain crap of my heart that I hadn't dealt with or really exposed to the Lord or sought healing. We wound people, and we have to reckon with how we, we really do wound people. But even there, the Lord promises, as we open up our wounds where we've been wounded, miracles of grace can, can happen. A greater good can happen. So uh, can you read the question again? I just want to make sure I'm, yeah. I'm addressing the, the various yeah. levels because there can be so many levels to yeah, it. Yeah, it it's so true. If God is all-powerful, why does he let bad things happen? Yeah, yeah. So, so we're back to that God respecting our freedom, mm-hmm. right? And, and this came to me one time in prayer also that we only know the bad things that God allows. We don't know the bad things he doesn't allow because he doesn't allow them. So there's a limit to evil. Uh, it's not just a, quote, free-for-all. Yeah. He places a limit on evil. And in the end, this is one of my favorite lines, and it is, it is consoling in, in, a, in an infinite way. It's like an, an abyss of consolation if mm. we really enter into it. Uh, this line from John Paul II, the idea, this is a paraphrase, but pretty close to what JP2 says, the idea that God is love would be false if he himself did not bear our sufferings with us. This is where we as Christians have something unique to offer the world when it comes to the question of suffering. Mm -hmm. God does not promise. He allows these sufferings, he respects our freedom, and he doesn't promise that in this life he will take them away, but he does promise that he will bear these sufferings with us, and we are in deep intimacy with God in our sufferings precisely Because God himself, in the second person of the Trinity, the Word was made flesh, Jesus Christ, bore in his body, in his mind, in his heart, in his soul, in his whole person, he bore what we suffer and transformed that suffering into glory. This is where God reveals his almighty power. Uh, The Catechism of the Catholic Church says, that uh, God's ability to bring good out of evil, God's ability to forgive sins, God's ability to transform that sin into something glorious is the ultimate manifestation of his almighty power. It's more powerful than the creation of the whole universe. What happens in the confessional, for example, Mm. where sin is forgiven and grace is given to transform something bad into something with the hope of glory, that is more powerful than the creation of the whole universe, mm. says the Catechism. That's stunning. That is a stunning manifestation of God's almighty power. And I think we have all kinds of personal experiences where we can see our suffering led us to God. Yes, yes. We also can see examples of people whose suffering have led them to curse God and yes, led them yes. to hardness of heart. So we know that God can bring good out of suffering, but even there, he respects our freedom, that yeah. we can still close ourselves right. off to that grace. And I, I love when you said about the mystery of suffering, because sometimes we, we hear this question 
termed the problem of evil. And problem implies there's a solution that we have to kind of work it out. And the word mystery just includes that sense of we we don't fully expect to understand yes. this. Yes. Um, but we can reflect on our own lives and the lives of others. And I know I think about you and an incredibly deep suffering that you went through in your life when your girlfriend broke up with you. And that could seem like a light thing, but right. it's not a light thing. Right. It was devastating. It's like your life falling apart right yeah. in front of you. And that's overwhelmingly difficult. And yet how that caused an opening in your heart to God and how many people have been at terribly low points in their lives, the deep, deep suffering and they're, they're suffering and the people around them who love them are suffering. And when that is pierced by God's light and love, and it really hinges on what you said about Christ's bearing our sufferings, yeah. that sense of being known in that deep, dark hole, yeah. <laughs> uh, that he knows, he's felt that. Um, and we can find that if we if we enter into the scripture, you know, if we get to know the Lord by getting getting to know his life and his sufferings, then we can recognize he really knows us. Yes. He's really yes. been present yes. in this very life that we're living. And so part of the mystery of suffering is the mystery of knowing Christ's presence in every aspect of our lives and how is that possible? Because God is God, because he's all powerful um, and can work wonders in our lives. I'm reminded of a retreat I went on. The retreat director, Monsignor John, you, you know well, mm -hmm. Wendy. He was helping me see that a time of great suffering in my life was the Lord carving me out to have a wider capacity to receive his love. Mm. And he had me reflect on the scripture where Jesus, in the very act of betrayal, Judas is betraying Jesus. And Jesus says to Judas, friend, do what you came for. And he had me reflecting on that. And I, I got to the point, and this is, he was kind of guiding me there to, to realize that this person who had caused me such great suffering in my life, I could say, friend, do what you came for. Because looking in retrospect, it does, you don't feel it as you're going through the suffering. Mm -hmm. But when you look back on it, and this is something that happened in my childhood, Looking back, I can see that that suffering that this person caused me really did carve me out for deep intimacy. Mm. And for the Lord to use that to bring me closer to Him, I can say, yeah, friend, do what you came for, because what you're about to do to me is going to bring me to deep intimacy with Jesus on the cross in an agony that I don't deserve. I don't desire, but the Lord allows to bring about a greater good. Every once in a while, he just lifts a little corner of the veil for you to see the greater good that he's bringing about, and it increases our faith. And so I invite anybody out there suffering with something, ask the Lord, lift a corner of the veil, Lord, to show me the greater good. Give me a little glimpse of mm. the greater good that you have promised to bring about here. This is what our faith teaches us. And if we can stand on that rock that is our faith, that these sufferings are bringing about a greater good, then we can truly trust, even when it seems 
everything, all the evidence seems contrary to it. There's Christ hanging on the cross. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? But then the next line, into your hands, I entrust my spirit. I know you love me. I know you love me. I entrust myself mm. to you. And how do we know his trust was, was not in vain? Because he's raised in glory. That's our promise. That's, the, that's where it all goes. The crucifixion is the, the sign of all of our sufferings, and the resurrection is the sign that all of our sufferings, if we follow him who bore them, will be transformed into glory. That's why I'm Catholic. Bottom line, because the, the church is the locus. It's the place where that transformation is promised. Wow. Amen. I have another question. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and you just said, that's why I'm Catholic. So this question is actually about a little bit about being Catholic. It says, should a Catholic marry a non-Catholic? Or is it necessary to be of the same faith as your spouse? It is not necessary. Uh, I can think of lots of marriages that a Catholic married a non-Catholic and they had a deep love for one another. Mm -hmm. But man, I can't, I can't imagine not being married to a Catholic myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There will be obstacles. There will be struggles. There will be certain limits to the intimacy you can have. There will be certain limits to sharing your heart with the other. There will be struggles in raising the children. When there are conflicts in faith between spouses, that does paint uh, the marriage in a, with a certain color, right? Mm -hmm. uh, again, it's not impossible. I know plenty of marriages where there's a beautiful love, but those marriages are going to bear in themselves. And in this way, it can be a, a hopeful thing as those couples work out their differences, as they find common ground, as they as they emphasize the things they do share in common without ignoring the things they don't, uh, that can be a sign of the very friction and tension, but also the hope that exists between Catholics and non-Catholics at large. Mm -hmm. uh, we could look first at, you know, Catholics and other Christians. Uh, there's a shared baptism. There's a shared basic faith. There are differences that we have that shouldn't be undermined or shouldn't be just tossed aside because they're significant. But there's, we share much more in common than, than what we don't hold in common. That's true. So the, the, say you have a Catholic and a Protestant, for example. They marry uh, and they, they share that faith in Christ. But where those tensions are in their marriage and how they work them out and hopefully coming to a place of deeper unity, that can be a gift to the whole uh, ecumenical conversation, right? That can be a grace for the whole desire that all would be one. That's Christ's prayer, that all would be one as you, Father, and I are one. So I would say if you if you are entering into such a marriage, just go with your eyes open. You're going to have additional mm. struggles and tensions and difficulties. Uh, grace is enough to work through them, and hopefully they can bring about a deeper unity. And if both of you are honestly seeking the truth, seekers find. And so there's there's hope in there. There's struggle, but hope. Mm -hmm. That's how I would put it. What about you, Wendy? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think one of the things that, you know, podcasting for people who are interested in matters of faith, we kind of can assume that our listeners are on that journey of growth in faith, because mm -hmm. why would they be listening? But right. many of you, just like us, have people you love who are dear to you, who don't appear to be on that journey in the same way, don't seem to place a high value on 
having been given the gift of Catholic faith, right. if they, you know, indeed are baptized Catholics. Um, and so sometimes the matter of what church I, you know, my parents took me to or something can seem kind of irrelevant. And uh, when we used to do marriage prep work, many of the people that we were teaching in classrooms um, were, you know, only one member of the couple was Catholic. Right. And so that's yeah, fairly that was, common. Oh, yeah, very common. Yeah. And so it was kind of this marriage preparation that kind of forced both of them to learn a little bit more about the Catholic faith, including the Catholic one, yeah. <laughs> who probably hadn't paid super close attention or had gotten distracted by other things in life over time. And so it was a time of like reorientation. And for us teaching, you know, what an opportunity to like share the gospel. Just yeah you know what, you're not going to make it without the Lord's help. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about why sacraments, you know, what, what is God all about? What why is faith? Is he... Why do I want him in my life? Why do I want him in my marriage? Yeah. And why be married? What yeah. is God, you know, what is God's purpose in all of that? So it's a beautiful opportunity to really reflect when you're making such a life-changing decision as to be married. Um, and I, I have to trust the Lord knows what he's doing. Sometimes it can seem sort of maybe to parents of a child who's wanting to marry someone who's not Catholic, it can cause, you know, a lot of disappointment or anguish. And yet, if you open that up to the Lord, he may be doing something wonderful. This kind of relates to our last question about trusting that God yes. is all powerful and does bring good out of all things. Um, even what you were saying about the Lord's desire that we would all be one, his whole church. So there's a lot going on in people's lives. And marriage is the time of entering into marriage is a time of and incredible graces are available yes, yes. there. Um, so I would just encourage people who are thinking about this. If your faith is important to you, um, you know, let that be present then in all your relationships to some degree, and especially in any dating and courtship, that it would be open and that it would be, you know, a treasure that to be honored and revered and loved by yeah. the person that's going to love you um, for your life. And so, yes, it could be a non-Catholic if that's what the Lord is doing in your life, but the sense of desiring that greater closeness that is possible and uh, just all the goodness that that brings to your children and to your community when you are of the same faith. We can't not hold out that as a greater no. good somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to hold it out. And, and the church recognizes that the, the norm is for a Catholic to marry a Catholic because there has to be a, a dispensation grant. Is that like a, a special permission? A special per yeah, it's not normal for a Catholic to marry a non I mean, it's normal in the sense that it happens quite often. Right. But it's not normal in the sense that it's the way the church would hope it would be. Mm -hmm. um, the divisions in, in Christendom are not what the Lord wanted, mm. right? The Lord prayed that all would be one. And the historical divisions among Christians are some of the greatest scandals that have ever befallen Christianity. So again, the, the couple will bear in their relationship uh, the wound of that, that scandal. But it can be, as we're saying, and I just want to underscore, let it be an opportunity to press into what do you really believe and why. 
uh, if you're in dating in a, a Protestant, let his or her questions challenge you. Mm -hmm. uh, if the Protestant is dating the Catholic, let his or her faith challenge you. Seek together. Seekers find. Yeah. And the truth is not afraid of our questions. As I like to say, the question is, are we afraid of the truth? We mm. shouldn't be. Mm. We shouldn't be. Uh, next question is from someone who um, heard you speaking. It says, I listened to your interview on Java with Julie. Oh, yeah. You, Java you know? with Julie. Yes. <laughs> is that the name of it? Java yes, with Julie. Java okay, with I see. <laughs> I didn't actually know what, know what it meant. Uh -huh. um, so sh she says she was so blessed by it. Can you talk about how to have our thirst quenched by Jesus. I'm a Christian, and I want to have my thirst quenched by Christ and have my sexual desires lead toward heaven. I don't know how. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Is this an anonymous questioner? Her name is Allison. Hi, Allison. Bless you, Allison, for your beautiful, vulnerable question. Uh, Allison, it can be a struggle especially if we're raised in an environment, and this is what Julie and I were talking about on that podcast, a lot of Christians, and speak of, speaking of ecumenical efforts, uh, Julie and I have a great respect for one another. She's Protestant, I'm Catholic, obviously, and uh, she's had me on her show a few times. She does a lot of great work in the Protestant world on sexual wholeness, sexual integrity, what that all means. So there's so much hope here, and I want to say to Allison, if you were raised in an environment where Jesus was on one hand and sexuality was on the other, and ne'er the tween shall meet, mm. this can be very challenging. How do we bring spirituality and sexuality mm -hmm. together? And what is incompatible here is, is not Christianity and sexuality, or not holiness and sexuality. They are not incompatible. What is incompatible is holiness and lust or twisted, disordered sexuality. That's the stumbling block. That's what takes us away from the Lord. But we have to remember here, basic principle, so important, the devil does not have his own clay. Mm -hmm. All he can do is take God's clay, God looked at everything he made, said, behold, it is very good, and twist it up. So the, the pathway of redemption is not throwing away that muddled clay. It's untwisting it. I got this line from Scott Hahn, I really like it, um, that Christ says, I make all things new. He doesn't say, I make all new things. <laughs> That's really good, isn't yeah, it? It's it a, is. a very important distinction. Yeah, it is. I make all things new. So, Allison, I would say to you, whatever in your heart, whatever in your experience, in your memories, in your formation when it came to sexual questions, Whatever has been a wound, whatever has been a pain, whatever has been a suffering, a sorrow, whatever you might have felt has robbed you of your dignity, has robbed you of your innocence, has robbed you of your beauty, the Lord makes all things new. Mm. And that means a long journey of letting the Lord into those memories. Allison, maybe begin with your earliest memory of your sense of yourself as a girl different from the boys. Uh, was it a realization that you're in the bathroom and you saw your older brother has a penis and you're like, why don't I have one of those? 
what impressions w did that create in your young mind and your young heart? Was there a time where you were exposed to pornography? Did you see certain movies or TV shows that awakened a hunger, a desire, a yearning? Were there certain uh, people you were attracted to in your class growing up? Uh, how was puberty for you? Were you mocked when your breasts started to develop? Did people make fun of you? Uh, what, was there any uh, sexual abuse? Was, was there, were there sexual experiences as a, a young person? All of those memories, the Lord knows everything about you, and he wants to make all things new. Bringing the Lord into those memories, letting him speak his truth to you, uh, imagine a piece of paper. This is what I often do in my talks. I'll hold out this piece of paper and I'll, I'll say, this is the painting of how God created us to be naked without shame in the beginning. And then I'll crumple the paper and I'll say, this is what original sin did to it. Mm -hmm. It gets all crumpled up. And we think the solution is to throw that away. Um, we've told this story before on the podcast of how when we were dating and, and in the time of getting very close to being engaged, I was taking this approach. I was thinking that chunk of my life where I had been sexually involved and not living a, a, a healthy, holy life, I had just wanted to throw that away yeah. and say, that was, that was just bad. Throw it away, throw mm -hmm. it away. And, and I was wanting not for the Lord to make all things new. I was wanting the Lord to make all new things, right? I, and what he really wants to do is uncrumple that paper, uncrumple that painting so we can reclaim who we really are. And Allison, to be honest, that is a long journey. I'm 50 years old. I've been taking that journey very seriously for 30 years, and, and I'm still on it. There are memories still coming back to me where the Lord says, okay, we, we got to go and look at this now. I want to go deeper with you here. But it's a journey that comes in phases Yes, that um, maybe he, there's something most important right now. And there's something that sometimes there are things that we know are probably important and we're just not ready for. Might not be ready. The Lord right. can honors that. He knows he that knows about us. He knows when we're ready. That's right. So we don't have to think, oh, oh I got to no. do this all in the next two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> or, oh, no, I have 30 years of this ahead right. of me. It's not constant in that way that's right there are that's seasons. a very important point there are seasons yes, to it. yes and and there are graces and there are um joys of living those graces the newness that he's given us we we live it we um grow through it we bless others in that yes. uh, so all of that is part of having our thirst quenched by the lord think of the the uh our father give us this day this day our daily bread we are not to trouble ourselves about the the length or the amount yes. of effort yes. because the, that's i mean that's asking for bread that's asking for a basic daily nourishment and provision from the lord and that's a good word wendy <laughs> some good wendy wisdom going on thanks no, for real for real i even see in you know i can get anxious about my own desire to be purified because I have this underlying lie, I believe, that I won't be loved until I get all my crap dealt with. And it's a, it's a constant lie I have to fight. Like, oh, oh, crap, here's more crap I gotta look at. Okay, well, let's do this real quickly so then I can be loved. Darn, I thought I already was loved. Now I gotta deal with more crap. 
It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. He, this is, none of this is to earn his love. The journey that we go on is to let his love in to all of the places of our hearts so that we can know how much he loves us right there. Mm-hmm. I, I was saying how I'm going through a, a new, I'm in one of those seasons right now mm-hmm. of a deeper healing of certain memories from my teenage years. And it has, it has been challenging to me, like, oh my gosh, I'm 50 years old. This was like 35 years ago. Haven't I dealt? Well, the heart is a mystery. It's a deep, deep well. And my spiritual director has great advice when he says, go within with him. Don't go poking around in your memories on your own because we can't do anything to heal them. We can't do anything on our own to restore our own hearts, but go within with him. So Allison, go within with him. This means learning to to be attentive to his leading, learning how to pray, learning how to listen in prayer, opening your heart to him in prayer. That would be my bottom line advice to you, Allison, is a, a daily prayer life where you are opening your heart to the Lord and you're learning to, to listen to his leadings. Um, also be attentive to your dreams. It's a bedrock biblical principle that the Lord speaks to us through our dreams. It doesn't mean every dream is from God directly or something, but especially I'd say, Allison, if you have dreams of a sexual nature, uh, journal them out. Uh, if you have certain memories of people in your life uh, with whom you might have had sexual relationships, uh, and you're having dreams about those people, journal them out. Uh, the Lord may be bringing these memories to you, certain persons to your memory and dreams or during your times of prayer, because he wants to bring a deeper healing. I've certainly experienced that. Mm-hmm. All of this journey is letting us experience the Lord's personal love for us in our real lives and a real interior and a real desires and it's a miracle there are so many people on this earth we can't wrap our minds around it and yet god knows the whole story of every single person his infinite knowledge and infinite love are the gift that we're receiving in all of this as we're opening up our desires. We're experiencing how fully he knows us personally and loves us in every moment, every aspect of our being. So it's an exciting and awesome thing to be able to share with you, Allison, and with all our listeners. Yeah, I I think I have a little inspiration here. We're going to put a link in the show notes, Allison, uh, to uh, a drawing that our daughter Beth did and it's called Three Choices with Eros. And you th- you've probably heard me in that other podcast that you're referencing, Allison, talk about uh, the three choices. It's either we become a stoic and repress all that desire, an addict and indulge it in finite pleasures, or we become an aspiring mystic where we learn how to open that yearning. And she made reference to this. How can my sexual desires themselves lead me to heaven? Well, God gave us erotic desire, as I like to say, to be like the fuel of a rocket that has the power to launch us to the stars. But original sin inverted those rocket engines. Christ comes into the world not to condemn those with inverted rocket engines. He comes to redirect 
the rocket engines to the stars. I'm sure I've used that imagery on this podcast before because it's one of my favorites. But my our daughter, Beth, drew these three images of the stoic, what he does, the addict, what he does, and, and the aspiring mystic, what he does. And there's a write-up on the back of her, her painting that we'll also post online through that link. So uh, look at that, uh, reflect on that. I think you'll find it inspiring to your prayer life. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, all of our listeners, for listening, for opening your hearts to the graces that the Lord has for you. It's a great joy to do this podcast with you, Wendy, and great mm-hmm. joy to minister to, to everybody out there. If you know somebody who needs to hear this episode today, please share it. Uh, please comment on this episode as well. That helps us in ranking this podcast and getting it out to more and more listeners. We're so grateful to be part of this with you. And always know, you know how we sign off, you are an indispensable gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they're not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, A list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.